name of the Holy and Undivided Trinity. Amen. Please be seated. Good evening. It's a pleasure to be with you tonight. I have to confess, there are two dates I do not like to preach. And I'm a preacher, I like to preach. There are two that scare me. And one is Trinity Sunday. Because it said that you cannot say anything worth saying on Trinity Sunday without committing heresy. <laughs> and I'm sure I have. I have already drafted the schedule for the spring and early summer, and I think I asked Travis if he would preach that night, <laughs> that day. Did I do that? If I haven't, well, if I haven't, we'll get you on. The other one is Ash Wednesday. There are a couple of reasons. Some of it is flashbacks. When I was in seminary, I was asked to preach on Ash Wednesday and it scared me to death, and my preaching file for Ash Wednesday is a foot thick because of all the, I looked up everything that was ever written about Ash Wednesday, and I still did a terrible job. But that happens. Ash Wednesday is tricky because, on the one hand, it's really easy. It is about as crystal clear a message as there is, and what else are you gonna say about it that doesn't really sound like a downer? And on the other hand, it is so contradictory, so hypocritical, if you will, what we're presuming to do on Ash Wednesday. We're going to do, in a few minutes, the exact thing Jesus ordered us not to do in the Gospels. We are going to smudge our foreheads with ashes and go outside so everyone can see that we're holy people, that we've been to church, that God likes us. <laughs> and when I was in school, I remember being really bothered by that because I didn't know if I was being a hypocrite. Am I the first to notice this? Am I the first to realize that I'm not really in any position to claim any piety by walking around with my ashes because I have not been good since Christmas and I don't know, I'm not ready yet to stand before God in a state of penitence. It really, really bugged me. I am um, sometimes find my way through things by acting them out. And as a child, I was known to my mother for inadvertently trying out things from scripture. So for example, shortly before Easter Sunday, when my mom had bought me some brand new, I'm sure expensive, leather white Easter shoes, I filled my wagon with water to see if I could do what Jesus did and walk on it. And the answer was no. And my mom was not happy, nor was she happy with my Ash Wednesday stunt of going to my friend Jim's backyard 
Jim's dad, like many Louisiana men and like all Texas people, was a, a barbecue guy. And he liked to cook out back all the time and he had a huge grill and when the coals were finally burned down and turned to ash, there was a pit in the back of their backyard. It was behind a bush so you couldn't see it. And he kept all the ashes there in a big pile that was absolutely filthy. And Jim and I found it. And we had our own little Ash Wednesday. <laughs> and if you think you're going to be holy, we were holy. We were covered <laughs> head to toe in ashes. Uh, my mother did not approve. And so for all these reasons, I come to Ash Wednesday not entirely sure what this is for. Or maybe a little bothered that I know exactly what it's for and that doesn't apply to me. That it's about humility, that it's about penitence, that it's about a real concerted effort to do better. And if I'm honest, I can't say that I have been penitent recently. I can say that I'd like to, but I'm ashamed to come around in my ashes trying to look holy. So what is this all about? Well, Martin Smith writes about it this way. He says, true repentance, true change of heart consists in grasping the fact that we are called to be in love with God and that the love with which we love God is something already given to us. Repentance is believing that the love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us and that this love flows back to God because this is a state that is given us, something we have received by grace through faith. Repentance, he writes, is coming alive to our given identity as lovers of God. I believe it. I believe it when the psalm says to us, our sins all are removed as far as east from west. That's the posture Jesus takes to see us. Like the father of the prodigal son, from a distance, while we were yet distance, distant, his heart loved. And Jesus races to us to continue loving us and awaits our love that we return to him. So even on this first day of Lent, when we haven't even started setting things right, Jesus is ready to be unified with us. But it looks very different from our point of view and the prodigal son's point of view. To us, we carry all the baggage we haven't been able to let go of yet. And we look at that distance, not as how, distance, how distant God is going to push our sin away from us, but instead as how distant God feels from us, or more to the point, how distant we have made ourselves from God. Churches are arranged so as to draw your eye up to the holy table, to, 
to get more and more high up the ground and majestic up there, that's supposed to represent the presence of God. And when I turn around, all of a sudden, it's as if the wall is moving further and further back, as if to make room for all of my errors that I really can't even approach with. In Harry Potter, there is a paradox of the way that Harry received his scar and the way he experiences it. As a baby, Voldemort tried to kill Harry Potter, and the lightning bolt he shot at Harry's head hit him square on the forehead, and and it made that lightning bolt mark we all know about, but it didn't kill him. It didn't kill him because of the love of his parents, because of the love that fought back through that exact spot. And that became the battleground. So in all the Harry Potter stories we read, we know that good and evil are coming together at an amazing place in time and space on Harry Potter's forehead. And that same thing happens on Ash Wednesday to you and to me. We will get our big black mark of ashes on the exact same spot where you and I were christened and marked with oil as belonging to the Holy Spirit. We're marked as Christ's own forever, to be loved forever. So that the irony is that to receive that love, to steer into that love and eternal life We first have to go with Jesus to the cross. We first have to admit that this is not here what it's all about. That we're going to have to steer into the death of the cross, the death of the ashes, to find the eternal life in the exact same spot. I feel like I have just started my journey, not that I'm ready to get those ashes. But the ashes are the start. That is the very first step for each of us. We don't have to worry that we're hypocrites, that we don't deserve it, that we've failed again. 